What's up, Internet? You're tuned in episode 130 of the Flip Screen Games Podcast, a weekly video game podcast where two best buds from different nations come together to discuss the wide, wide world of video games. I'm your host, Pete Messi, joined, as always, my very good friend and co-host, making his return to the show, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello, hello. Hello, buddy. Welcome back. Yeah, it's good to be back. Came back on a, came back on a bit of a down a week, but it's good to be back. Yeah, it's like, you know... Definitely not news that I'm excited about, but I was like, oh, man, Steve's back, and there's there's big news. So we got something to discuss. We got something to chew on, you know, I, and I, I'm not happy about it, but at least we're here to talk through it together, you know? Yeah, 2024 is off to uh, a pretty bad start for the industry man, by the looks of it. It's not even March. It's not even I March, know. and we got to talk about a massive layoff and multiple canceled games. And of course, it's happening over at PlayStation. Uh, it has been, we've been talking about PlayStation a lot this year, and very little of it has been positive. And it is such a bummer to see another negative update here for one of our platform holders. But uh, let's, let's, walk, let's walk everybody through it. That's what we're talking about today, right? Mm-hmm. We know a, a few big pieces of news have come out of it, right? So to, to not bury the lead, what we know right now is that PlayStation is looking to lay off around 900 people, and this is going to be across all of their studios and, and departments worldwide. <clears throat> they, uh, As part of that, they are going to be fully closing London Studio, who uh, is I, you know most recently known for working on a lot of VR projects. They historically were connected to like the SingStar franchise and some of those other things. Uh, so that's obviously a big hit to see an entire studio go down. It's been a really, well, I was going to say it's been a really long time, but actually now that I'm remembering it, they closed pixel office like a year or two ago. So it had been a really long mm-hmm. time. And now we've had two, la- two shutdowns in the last, you know, whatever year and change, which is a real big bummer. Uh, and then in addition to that, we know that these layoffs have also hit insomniac naughty dog and Gorilla, which is insane because those are three of Sony's four most successful studios. Yeah, also hit Fire Sprite, right? Another um, VR, VR-focused VR studio, which was their late one of their later yeah. acquisitions. So you've got to be imagining that. Fire Sprite, not, not gone, but they are, they are being hit with a... Uh, they had a project canceled, and they've had an uh, undetermined amount of... of staff laid off so far so we'll yeah. get into more of the specifics of, of some of this stuff um all this broke from jason shire's reporting deeply unsurprising uh so we'll have a link down to his full report that you can check out over on bloomberg but you know he originally broke the story over on twitter starts making the rounds and then we kind of start getting more of the nitty-gritty details so let's let's talk about about some of those things right so uh these cuts represent 8% of Sony's overall employees. Um, so like a pretty massive cut, right? Um, nearly 10% of the overall workforce of the company is uh, certainly nothing, nothing to sneeze at. Uh, there was a statement from Jim Ryan, who <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. You and I were talking. I thought he was gone already. I didn't realize he's still kicking around. Me too. I thought, he, I thought he left, like, end of uh, January. I guess it's the end of February he's leaving. Yeah, and it's so funny because I, I we both talked about this, like, a couple weeks ago, and it's like, yeah, what, what, what's going on? We haven't heard about, like, who's stepping in to – and I guess that's why. 
Um, but that's fine. So what what Jim said, uh, this was a, an internal note that, that went out to staff. Uh, he said, quote, after careful consideration and many leadership discussions over several months, it has become clear changes need to be made to continue to grow the business and develop the company. So that uh, obviously. Oh, what a you, bizarre thing, like, honestly, like why? I mean, I get it. He's the CEO, right? He's not going to be here to drive the ship and like know what changes need to be made to continue to grow the business. Like it's just an absolutely canned statement. Yeah. That if you've been laid off and or if you're on one of these teams, that's not going to feel great. You you know he's out the door with a nice no. big golden parachute and a fat pension as he retires, and you get probably sweet fuck all. Yeah, or you know, best case scenario, a couple months. Right to like yeah. figure out if you're gonna have to relocate your entire life. Like go read, go read Jason Trier's book, Press Reset. Yeah, well, right. I've seen a couple of people um, on on Twitter talking about the fact that they're now gonna lose their visas because they're, you know, in the UK, for example, on like a, a visa that allows them to work right. at London studio. That studio is closed down. Their, their, their wife was also UK based, right? So it's, yeah, like, that could also be the case. You know, it's like their wife then, was with them as a dependent, so she's losing her visa too, and they've now got to move back to like a different country mm -hmm. or uproot their whole life. It's just like this has real detrimental human effects yeah, that absolutely. people don't necessarily think about. And, and I think what frustrates me is because there's the obvious human cost of like what this does to people, and I, I, I absolutely do not mean to minimize that by establishing another point. Um, again, Jason Trier's book, Press Reset, is literally entirely about how studio closures uproot people's lives. And, you know, uh, up until recently, right, like many folks did not even have the opportunity for things like remote work. Like it's like you'd lose your job and then you got to move to another state or another country or wherever, wherever you can find work. And right now, mm -hmm. that's obviously tougher than ever, right? All these companies are laying people off. It's not like there's this big hiring spree going on right now. So I think what is so devastating is a lot of this talent is going to just leave the industry because, again, you, you uh, referencing Jason's book again, so many people end up really talented people, right, end up leaving game development forever because of shit like this. Because at the end of the day, if you're a programmer, you can make a lot more money doing something else and have yeah. more stability. And not have to, you know, have your life be at the whims of, you know, like these bean counters. And, you know, I'd like to address some common things I've seen in Twitter threads or stuff we've talked about in the show in the past, right? Because we've talked a lot about profitability of Sony's games and the margins mm -hmm. and how they're going to work on those things and yada, yada, yada. All well and good, right? I think we can on some level acknowledge that PlayStation probably needs to make an adjustment to how much they're investing in games and what the returns that they get on them are. Fair enough, right? I understand that some level of restructuring is going to happen. And especially, uh, and we'll talk about this more in a second, right? Them laying off uh, some of these people, I think is directly connected to their changes in plans for investments in VR and investments in um live service games right massively and I, and I think those that's are the obvious. two the two big things and and uh, clearly that was jim ryan's vision was games as a service we'll get the next iteration of psvr out psvr 
clearly been a failure. They're pivoting that product to allow it to work with PC. I think that just goes to show a the little thing, too though, late. They're not, it, yeah, they're not gonna. They're not selling enough of these things to work with the minimal number of games that they've got available on the PS5, and they're shutting studios working on VR games. They don't care about that product anymore. That's why you, they're, they're just like, up. well, if you own one, use it on your PC. We'll move on to something else. And games as a service, we've we've heard about. You know, we've heard publicly from Naughty Dog that they're canceling that project with the and reinvesting their resource into to other games that what well, they used to. Let's talk about that for a second. So, head of PlayStation Studios Herman Holst uh, said in in, in uh, his own internal note on Tuesday that uh, the company has also decided to cancel several games in development, which I think pretty clearly is the cause of many of these layoffs, right? Because even at the studios that we just listed, right of uh insomniac naughty dog gorilla we know that obviously those are three of their most successful studios with spider-man with the last of us with horizon we also know all three of those studios are working on multiplayer games that are either confirmed to be canceled or believed to be canceled right that's probably where these layoffs are coming from and i've seen folks be like if even your best studios are not safe from layoffs like this what are we even doing and i think I definitely agree with that in principle, where it's like, I don't think you should be in the business of laying people off when you're trying to, you know, con contract, right? During a time of you being concerned about there being um, tumultuous times ahead, right? And I think it's super easy to do this, and it's not a novel thing for me to do, but mm -hmm. I can't help but think back to 2015 when Satoru Iwata cut his salary to save people's jobs, right? And you see no such effort from the upper management at PlayStation. In fact, there was a tweet that was making the rounds of Jim Ryan visiting London Studio five fucking days ago and taking a picture with the staff there and everything, right? And it's like, and then laid all these people off. And it just feels bad, right? Because it's like, I, I get it. I, I understand all of the counter arguments that anybody who's business-minded is about to make. But guess what? People are who are what makes games, right? Like that talent that you invested in, that is the studio. And laying people off as a cost-cutting measure is short-sighted because you're going to spend just as much money, if not more, rehiring people and training people when it's time to build up for your next fucking project. That was supposed to be the entire impetus behind these like Last of Us Part 1s and Last of Us Part 2s and those kinds of projects was that you would keep people employed during the lean periods. And, like, it is so disappointing to not see them making that attempt. And maybe the argument there is that the people they hired are people with expertise in live service games, and that's what they want to work on, and that's what they, you know, they, they don't have the skill set to come in and work on the next single-player Naughty Dog game. I don't know. But the idea that they needed to lay off 8% of people in the company to, to close this gap, I think is not realistic, right? Like it, it was, it was a, in, in my estimation, a decision that's based on greed. And I think you can look at, you know, again, we talked about the margins. We talked about how they missed targets for the PlayStation 5 a couple of weeks ago. That's all well and good. Do you know what else is important context? The quarter preceding that was still a record-setting quarter for PlayStation, right? I have... This is here from Eurogamer, but I also have a tweet from uh, Stealth over on Twitter that summarizes it. 
better. And I can give you the link to the article if you want to go check his facts. But the the what he said was, reminder that last quarter, PlayStation announced record-breaking revenue. And while operating income was down, they still made $572 million. PlayStation isn't in any kind of trouble at all. This is about the quest for endless upward growth and greed. And that's what it comes down to, man, is like, I'm so frustrated that the pandemic and and everybody being forced inside causing that artificial boom for the games industry is now causing all of these companies to rather than planning for the fact that eventually margins were going to go back down to be like, no, nah, we're just going to keep growing and growing and growing because that's what capitalism does. And then what is the cost? It's all these people losing their fucking jobs because of mismanagement, because they're overspending and overinvesting and not planning for the eventuality of like we're hiring all these people and we need to keep supporting them and we need to keep supporting them because they know that they can just lay a bunch of people off and it doesn't matter and the only people that get hurt are the people that they laid off not them not their profit margins not any of the c-suite executives no it's those folks in london that now have to go and find another job and uproot Mm -hmm. their lives and they just don't care and like we talk about this all the time, right? Like these companies are businesses. I get it. Businesses exist to make money, yada, yada, yada. It's so frustrating to have this. This is an art form. Like this industry is about making and selling art. And that like, there's no thought given to the cost of just laying off creatives that are the people that make the fucking product is crazy to me. It's so crazy. Because you can fucking read Jason's book and see how much money it costs to hire people and how much effort it takes to hire people and bring them in and teach them things. And it's just I mean, so I don't, I don't think you even need to I don't think you even need to look at Jason's book. You just have to look over the other side of the fence of when Microsoft went through the same the same process. They shut down studio after studio after studio, and it left them in a position where no one wanted to buy their consoles anymore because they had no exclusive games or they had no games, no games at all, really. Um, and because of that, they ended up having to buy a bunch of studios at great cost. And that's a cost that I don't think Sony could afford. I mean, it's oh. worth noting that while their Q3 was up year on year, probably because of Spider-Man 2 and the holiday season coming up, that their 12-month profit was, uh, or their 12-month um uh income was down um it was at 1.56 billion compared to 2 billion a year ago um and i can see why they would want to to kind of just kind of make check of what's going on why is it down by half a billion dollars that's a lot of money and maybe make some adjustments because why are they investing all this money into live service why are they investing all this money into psvr2 and as much as I kind of agree with you that, yeah, laying people off sucks is a real human cost, you can't just keep put, putting money into a sinking ship. Like, sure. PSVR 2, it, does not, it did not work for them. It was a, a good experiment. People just weren't interested in the product. It was too expensive. There weren't the games there. And I don't think they can correct that quick enough. Uh, where, when it comes to live service, it was a bad play. And it was not the right move. And maybe, maybe with smaller titles like we've seen with Helldivers Two, right? It could work for them. I think if they do go multi-platform with those those kinds of games, it could really work for them. Well, and again, You've right? Got... But like Helldivers is also a game made by a team that makes this kind of game, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it, granted, they haven't made like 
this specific kind of game where it's like a bigger multi-platform live service type thing, but like making arcadey shooters is like, that's their bread and butter. It's not like, Hey, let's take naughty dog. Who's known for these great dynamic single player experiences and then have them develop a live service game. And I know people loved factions. I know there was passion from naughty dog to work on that. I'm not saying that it was like this mandate or something from down on high, but it's like, you see all these projects that were in development at single player studios and you have to wonder like, and I don't know, I guess it was just a gamble that that was going to pay off, right? That you would invest all that money and you get that return. But you know, you and I always thought that seemed dubious at best. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a strange play at the oh, time. Hey, you're, I never you're, under- pause, 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 pause. I can't hear you. You can't hear me. You're still talking. Like I can see you in the, the monitor, the confidence monitor. But on VDO, you're paused. Okay. Can you All maybe right, let, me re- let me refresh the like page. refresh, like log out and log back in or something? Hello, any better? There you go. Now I can hear you. Pick up, pick up from where I said uh, the dubious at best thing. Oh wait, you're muted again. Am I? Hello. No, now it's fine. I don't know what's going on. Are you sure I'm okay? Yeah. Yeah, uh, you're definitely okay. Talk again. Okay. Hello. Yeah, hello. you're still coming through. We should be okay. We should be okay. What did, what did you say? Just give me context. The last Dubious thing I said. Best. The last thing I said was um, I was talking about uh, how big single player studios like Naughty Dog and Gorilla and Insomniac are working on these single player or these multiplayer games, and that you know I know that people liked factions and that there was passion mm-hmm. at Naughty Dog to make a multiplayer game, but So I'm not arguing that it's like it was this mandate from down on high that they had to do this. But I think when you look at the fact that all of these historically single player studios were then working on these big multiplayer games, it's like uh, uh, that seems like such a crazy strategy. And I guess the, the gamble was that that investment would pay off and that a couple of those games would hit and that those studios would become overall more profitable because they had a live service game or two. And I said the thing I left off on was I think you and I have always agreed that that kind of, as a strategy, seems like dubious at best. Mm. Yeah, it's a weird strategy for me because they bought Des- uh, they bought Bungie for Destiny and Live Service. That game has not been doing well, and and Bungie had to make mass layoffs for the, the exact mo- same same reason. It's the most overpriced acquisition I think in like the, the history of media. If I'm honest, with you. yeah, it's. it's- bizarre but they had a studio there that focused on live service and to then get every other studio kind of in their in their roster to work on live service games just seemed like a really strange strategy i mean maybe these these companies i could see insomniac wanting to to kind of do the the great web or whatever it was called in the league i can imagine that that was a concept that they had internally um dude i just i'm sorry I'm with you. I want you to finish that thought. I just wanted to look up how much Disney spent on Star Wars as like a point of comparison. They spent four, $4 billion on Star Wars. You're telling me yeah. that Bungie is worth almost as much as Star Wars. Okay. They got Indiana Jones along with that as well. Yeah, that was for Lucasfilm, right? So it's not even just Star Wars. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like, what are you fucking you kidding me? What are you kidding that's me? Crazy. For what? <laughs> for Destiny? Okay. Okay. Yeah, very, very strange um, purchase indeed. Um, but we know also Marvel is that... only four billion too. 
That's and, uh, crazy. Both of those were like Are you kidding me? Bargains. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, nuts. <laughs> and now they're subbing it out and, and get, making games with both of those franchises yeah. as well, which makes You're a lot of sense. You're kidding me. What was Sony thinking? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's such a. It really felt like it was a Jim Ryan strategy. It was like, oh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go down this route. It hasn't paid off. Maybe they gave him a couple of years to to kind of get some of these games out because it was on their financial reports for a while that, yeah. oh, we had like, we've got five live service games coming. Maybe MLB The Show was one of them. Maybe Destiny is another. But we've got other ones coming up. I think Helldivers 2 probably turned out to be one of them. But We've not seen any of the others. And, you know, I want to say this because you and I have not really had a chance to talk about Helldivers. That worked, right? Like, that worked. That clearly worked. Um, Yeah, and I think PC day and date was the right strategy there. Yeah, fucking clearly, right? It was like a a huge game on Steam. Absolutely. Mm. Um, And, I mean, we've been talking about that forever. Like, I think that that's, like, that's got to be the fucking standard for multi for uh multiplayer games like you have to release cross-platform i think if you want to have any chance of surviving because it's like who even knows if hell divers will still be what it is by the end of the year or is it going to be a game that comes and goes i don't know that it will it, will be, it, it probably like it... will come and go but they've made 20 they made 40 dollars a piece off of all the sales they have yeah. had like eight hundred thousand concurrent players well, and like they have a, they have a season plan so it's like it might not stay massive but it might i think it will probably survive long enough to be like a thing and that's all it needs to yeah. be, right? Like, that's fine. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think, like, trying to expect that from every studio in your portfolio just doesn't make sense. It, it, it does make sense for you to partner with a smaller studio that wants to make that kind of game anyway and make it a PlayStation exclusive or whatever. Like, that's great. But, like... I, I, I still don't see how they can go down the PlayStation exclusive route by still wanting to do what... Um, I think it was Hiroki Totoki said that they want to kind of improve margins on on these games and these and products. They need, to, because... they need to spend less on making them. Is the thing? Yeah, right? they do. Because you look at you look at Nintendo. You look over the the fence at Nintendo. They had an operating income of four billion. It was more than double PlayStation's on fewer sales. They sold less Switches and they sold less software versus the PlayStation Five last year. Mm-hmm. And yet they made more than double. Think about the, it. The profit. They're selling the Nintendo Switch at a profit, right? Like mm-hmm. Sony had to raise the price to maintain profitability. And you think about, I mean, and we don't know how much Nintendo spent on Tears of the Kingdom, but I know it wasn't $200 million, right? Like I know it didn't cost what it cost to make Spider-Man because it doesn't, like, it's just not reaching that same level of graphical fidelity. You're not, you know, having to use actors in the same way. Like there's just a lot less technology in terms of like, and not to undercut the technology and play it, Tears of the Kingdom, right? Obviously, that game is so f- incredibly well optimized, and yeah, in- but it's not like it's not cutting edge. It's not oh, we got ray tracing in Graphic. here. We're doing X, Y, Z. Yeah, it's not it's in cutting terms edge of with gameplay. Not, yeah, and that yeah, and that's, that's the thing though, right? We talk about this all the fucking time. Like it's like games don't need to cost this much. Games don't need to look as good as they do. They really just don't. And like, well, just look at the. I mean, I think they need to look at Hell Divers, right? It was a small third-party studio that published it through playstation studios wouldn't have cost anywhere near a quarter of a billion dollars to make and yet it's done so extremely well for them and it's a budget title it's selling at 40 dollars. like that's awesome that's probably a big part of why people jumped into it right like they gotta see that they gotta see that that's what you need to do right like okay so you're spending 200 million dollars on them that's too much bump that down to 150 
right? Bump it down to, to I don't know, 125. Bump it down to 150. And I still think $70 is a big ask for a lot of people to jump on a game at launch. I really yeah. do. But that's the thing. I, like, I don't think that's negotiable. I don't think you can make games cost less. I just don't think you can. And like, we've talked about this a lot. This is like a, a, a regular point of conversation on the show. No, Video uh, games I mean, used to I'm, cost I'm a like, lot more. They used to I, cost I, a I know, lot Yeah, more. I know. And I think, I think we, we I need think... to get we need to potentially get comfortable with the idea that buying a game day and date at full price is a privilege. And it's not something that you can just always do because games cost a lot more than they than they used to. Mm -hmm. And it just is what it is. Right. Like there's a conversation I had with Sarah the other day because I was watching a documentary about the 90s and, and video games. And there was a fucking screenshot of. Uh, like Walmart or something like a Target or whatever, and it was showing what games cost and they cost over eighty dollars yeah but right? you know what i could do back in the 90s i could go to blockbuster i could rent a game for a weekend for like five quid you can go to redbox and i could play the game you can go to redbox they don't, that doesn't exist at like anywhere outside of the u.s like that's not an option for us in the uk i mean we could buy used games like that's an option but yeah. games shutting down their used games right uh, trade in here that's going away digital only is going to be the the kind of strategy moving forwards i think they need to look at it and think and i think maybe the studios can support one, maybe two of these $70 blockbuster titles a year, but it's got to be backed up with these smaller titles, these like $40 smaller titles. They've been, they, they kind of laid the groundwork for it with um with Uncharted Lost Legacy. And, and yet we've not really had uh, any of those in the PlayStation five era. Even... Not enough. We have had them, but it's, it's been mild. And it's like, okay, so why is that the only one, right? Like, yeah. why why isn't there? And and the argument could be that some of them are in development, right? Like, it's like we had God of War come out. Maybe there is like a 0.5 God of War game in development. I don't think so. We just got the big update with the the roguelike mode on there. I don't think we're going to get anything else out of, uh, of God of War for a I, while. I, would, I wouldn't be sure about that. I wouldn't, you know? But you might be right, you know? Um, I, I guess it's just tough to say because I don't know how long it takes to make these games when you're making them for PS5. Right? We know games take a lot longer to make now, so maybe even a shorter game takes a couple years. That game only came out, what, two years ago? So it's like... Something like that, yeah. So say they started active development right after that. I mean, maybe it's a three-year development Maybe, cycle. but we know we're not going to see it this year. No. Because we know right. they're not, they've not got any, any games in again, existing franchises it, going this again, year. I'm just, I'm just literally pulling these numbers out of my ass for napkin math. Say it's a three-year development cycle. That would be next year. Hmm. It's it's not impossible is my point, right? Like Spider-Man just came out. The idea that we could get a Spider-Man 2 uh, equivalent to Miles Morales, yeah, that's still in the cards, I think. It's just, you know, whether or not it happens is, is a big question. And I think the point that you just made is a really salient one, though, of the idea of, like, maybe what publishers need to do is move away from these, like, you get one big blockbuster game like Spider-Man a year, and then the rest of the stuff that you get supported by is maybe there's one big blockbuster from a third party like Final Fantasy last year and Final Fantasy this year, and you mm -hmm. get a smaller budget title here and there, maybe one like of those. Like a remaster in there like they're doing with Until Dawn, you know? Last of Us Part Two that just came out. Yeah. Like It's like, at the end of the day, they have a good number of releases. It's just I think a lot of them are not, like, sexy, right? And I, something I wanted to bring up, uh, I just did. I just did a conversion. So in 1991, when Street Fighter II came out, right, and maybe it's even a year or two later because that might be the arcade release cartridge. It cost seventy dollars in 1991. In today, that's 160 dollars. So I really, really don't want to hear that video games cost too much money. 
Like we need to. We I, need... I genuinely think they do though, because you bought one game a year then, and like, if they were expecting to sell one game a year to people, sure, charge one hundred and sixty dollars, but they're not. They want us to buy three, four, five, six games so they can maximize their profits, and they want to keep selling us games. I think that's... they want to sell us once one a month if they can. I think that's more on them though than it is on us, right? Of like. I, I don't think it's a problem if games cost $70 if there's not the expectation that we need you to buy five $70 games a year to, to stay afloat. That's bad planning, right? Like, to me. And, and I, I, you know, it's like, and, and again, right? Like, when I'm saying what I'm saying, if you think $70 costs too much, that's fine. I'm not arguing that, like, you need to be comfortable with this or that or whatever, but it's like, that's what they cost. And I think to argue that they cost too much ignores how much every other form of entertainment costs. It ignores what video games have historically cost. And it ignores that there was not an increase in price for like a generation plus in many key markets. I, I do understand that. But I it's, do also think that it is economies of scale. I mean, they weren't selling millions of copies of Street Fighter on SNES. They were probably selling 100,000 at most. They're sure. selling millions and millions of copies and most of the time they're not having to even print a disc ship it anywhere deal with retailers they're just selling it to you and they're getting 100 percent of yeah. the profit and what's even weirder is that their games are cheaper on pc and i still don't understand that i don't think i ever will understand no, that, that doesn't make any sense to me it really doesn't um i i have no excuse for that for sure and even so right like, i'm not making excuses i'm just trying to provide you context Right where mm -hmm. it's like I, I would love if video games cost less money. Um, yeah, I mean also, the, the, the fact is the majority of games I buy do cost less money. I don't really buy that many of these big blockbuster games. I play mainly indie games or I play something smaller. I do think Xbox has done a really good job with the smaller titles. Maybe they haven't done a good job of marketing them, and that's why we're seeing the Pentiments, the Grounded, the Hi-Fi Rushes breaking out of the xbox ecosystem because I mean, I, and right. i'm worried about that because they've literally they're like oh we're doing this so that they're more profitable and it's like okay so are you saying that it's a problem that they didn't make more money because i thought that was the whole point of you the massive yeah. in angel investor company coming in and buying these small creative studios was that you were going to just let them do whatever you wanted and it kind of seems like that's not going to be the case anymore if you're already talking about how they didn't make enough money and we've made it through one round of games at all these studios mm-hmm not great. I don't necessarily think it's that those games specifically didn't make enough money. I kind of feel like it's they weren't. I, I think it goes back to what you were saying, right? They're not the big, sexy titles. They're not the the Forzas or the Halos. They're the games. He that said kind they're of not like they're not mixed. console sellers, really. Yeah. for most people. Yeah. So why why not kind of bring them out in, on other platforms in the same way that I really think Helldivers should be on Xbox? It would be a fantastic title cross platform. And they can make a shit more money. Uh, but I don't think they ever will do that, at least not for the foreseeable future. Um, but it's a, it's a real shame. Like, it is a real shame that they've they've kind of had to, or they felt like they've had to cut 8% of their staff worldwide. And I would imagine the London studio closure is probably the, the lion's share of that, losing hundreds of people. Yeah, and I think the shittiest thing about it is, like, that makes sense, right? Is, like... For me, it's, it's way easier for me to wrap my head around they close down a studio that specifically makes VR games when they don't want to make VR games anymore. Fine. But, like, man, like, 40 people at Gorilla are losing their jobs. And I guess that's probably because these online Horizon games that we've heard about are not going to get made. 
Oh Fair yeah, enough. remember the leak of the chibi weird like, like chibi monster Aloy? hunter kind yeah. of style one. And then there was supposed to be another one too. There was supposed to be two. Right, there was going to be an MMO and that game, and it's like we probably don't need both of those. That's fair, but like, there's nowhere else you can put these people. You know, they can't go work. I don't know. They just laid a bunch of people off at Bungie, so maybe not. <laughs> okay, I don't yeah. know. They're not making live service games anywhere, and that's the problem. You know, if you're working on, say, say you're a programmer who's working on networking, well, where are you going to go within the Sony Studios family? Because yeah, they just don't no have other, work for you. They don't have any. There's nothing there for yeah. you anymore. But so that's what's like that's crazy to me, though. You tell me, eight percent of their staff was working on live service games. What? what why? They they, why? Yeah, I guess right. But like, why would you invest that much in those things then? If they're this, long I mean, away? that's what they were talking about, right? How much were they? How much were they going to make uh, invest? It was like it was several billions. billion dollars. It was like it was yeah. like six billion dollars over like three or four years or something like that. I forget. But it was a lot of money. It was 55% of PS5 game development was going to be live service. $2.16 billion in a single year. That's not worked out for them, has it? No, not at all, right? And it, I don't know. And that's, on, that's in addition to the $3.7 billion they spent on Bungie. That's not including that. Like, that's there. Yeah. And that's so, been a massive failure for them. No, Marathon's that was that delayed. was just a money pit. I I genuinely would not be surprised if Bungie ends up getting closed down because they are just well, not. I I said that that's one of my predictions that PlayStation will own them by the end of the year. They're closed down. They don't own them anymore. So I'm taking that one as a win. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's it's uh it's tough because I mean. You know, we've talked a lot about like the the issue um, of the margins on these these single player titles that are kind of Sony's bread and butter. And like, you know, I don't know. I think I think it's like they've got to figure it out, whether it's spending less money on these games or accepting that maybe some of upper management doesn't need to make the salaries that they're making to maintain. Or what Hiroki was saying is explore other platforms. Yeah, but I mean, I just don't know that that's going to like. I don't know. We, we've, we, 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 you and I go back and forth on this all the time, right? So it's like, you know, I don't know. So what else do you do? Say, say your game's been out for two years, right? Mm -hmm. say, say it's Ratchet and Clank. And, and maybe you don't put the, the headline titles like Spider Man on Xbox, but Ratchet and Clank, it's been out since launch. It was out in 2020. It's been to PC. I just don't know, like, what, like, what, like, is that really going to make that much of a difference, though? Because it, it, like, it comes back to what we just talked about, right? Where it's like, I feel like, you know, like when these games get ported to PC, right? It costs a certain amount of money to get them ported. We don't know how much, I, you know, I really don't know how long it takes or what the investment there mm -hmm. is, but obviously, it's got to be pretty good, um, in terms of cost versus return. But like, how many copies did Ratchet and Clank sell on PC? Right? Is 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 like is selling another handful of million copies on Xbox going to be enough to then be like this is profitable now? This is now a sustainable model. I don't know that it is. You know, and like I, I think it comes down to this idea that like you need to just rein these budgets in, and you need to rein in like how much you're spending on graphics and fidelity, and and like cut some of the bloat out of some of these games. You know, because I mean, I look like something like Spider Man, right? Like that's a pretty good length. Like, that is, I think, probably about what you want out of one of these kinds of games, or it's like 20, 30 hours or whatever. So, like, 
you know, I don't know how much fat there is to trim content wise, but like that game is gorgeous. It looks incredible. And like, it probably could look like 25% worse and it would still be a fantastic <laughs> game. And it, you know, yeah, maybe I wouldn't say, Oh, it's the prettiest game on PS five. But like, so what? Like I, that's visuals and, and fidelity and all that stuff. It's like, it's a nice to have. It should be a nice to have not a, like, this is what we're hanging our hat on. And I just don't think that that moves units the way that like you think it does, right? Like it's like quality gameplay and story. And like, those are the things, right? Like it's like, what are the two, you know, game of the year contenders this year? Like really, when you get down to it, are Tears of the Kingdom and Baldur's Gate 3. Neither of those are games that are cutting edge in graphics. They're cutting edge in gameplay, in story, in narrative, in, you know, uh, things that are like, cost effective right because it's like it doesn't cost more money to write a good story than a bad story you just need to pay i mean i guess it literally does but like you get what i'm saying right like it's Mm -hmm. like story is quality character those kinds of things are things that are just like you just invest the time and you get them right right it's not like oh we need to invest a certain amount of money over a certain number of years to develop in 4k right where it's like maybe games don't need to be in 4k you know, it's like we're already at a point where most games cannot do 4K 60. So maybe that's maybe that's part of the problem, right? Like, what if we just agreed games will look worse? And like, we just the thing is, I don't think that'll wash. I really don't. I think I think I the problem the problem PlayStation's got itself into, right, is everyone thinks of a PlayStation game and they've got a specific type of game in Cutting mind. Edge, so, blockbuster, third yeah, person action, narrative. Exactly. Yeah. And and they and I think Jim was right in trying to get a break out of that mold in doing something different. I just don't think live service was the answer. It should have been let's invest more in indie titles and making those exclusive. Let's do smaller things like Hi Fi Rush and Pentiment. That's so and tough stuff. too, though, because you look at the Xbox side of things, and those things are not system sellers. They don't move units, and they don't sell that much. They get critical acclaim, but they don't. And it's like, is that better? Like, I don't know. It's like we saw them do that in the PS3 era. And I think that was a big part of what helped claw the PS3 uh, back Mm. from failure was that they had a really attractive, diverse library of interesting games you could only play on PlayStation. And that was everything from big budget AAA to smaller indie titles. And like, maybe that is the answer, but also like, I get not thinking that that's the answer because like they bought Pixel Opus and they had the Make Concrete Genie and like, did that set the world on fire? No, right? So it's like, so then what are you doing? Are you like looking for partnerships like Xbox has with Cuphead and and like Studio MDHR or like, you know, the the Ori folks and it's Moon and it's like it's not an exclusive, but we'll spend money to help you develop it and then it comes out everywhere else. I, anyway. I kinda think that they should. Like I think they should do that. And it's it's worked wonders for Nintendo. Like it's come a console exclusive on a Switch for like a year and then it comes to other platforms. Like, why not? Matt Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know. I all you got to do is get that one hit. You know, imagine if Vampire Survivors was yeah. exclusive to PlayStation or Hades was exclusive to PlayStation for a year. Yeah, yeah, like, I feel you. That's true. And they clearly you're going don't and you're like, this, give this is the place I can play. No, no, like, they you, don't. There was that whole article about how they don't do that and they, you know, cost more money to get your games featured on PlayStation and all that shit. Maybe that's true. You know, maybe that's, maybe that's a, a good argument that like cultivating more diverse yeah. interesting budget titles is like is the way to go um, I mean, or maybe services is the way to go because their services revenue was up 
obviously led by a massive price hike on PlayStation Plus that a lot of people revolted against, but some people just sucked up and paid. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? As we talk about that too, right? Is like, that's what you do when you raise prices. You raise them enough that the margin of people that drop off are made up for by the increase in cost. Oh yeah, you just got to look what Disney Plus is doing. They're doing the exact same thing. Oh, there's oh now there's ads there. Like oh okay. Yeah, you want the free version? Before we get ad supported games, that's what I want to know. I don't. I don't know. I, I I think as soon as somebody figures out a model that's relatively non intrusive, that'll be kind of is that at this point it's like... kind of yeah right and that's like it's like a little different because it's more like native ads which is like a whole other yeah kind of grosser honestly um because it doesn't <laughs> like, like here's a lady gaga concert go, go have fun right and it's like this is a commercial but i'm in the game it's not like when you're watching something and it's like pause here's some ads it's like that's annoying but i think it's large it's more ethical you know, because I like, can put my controller down. I can go get a drink. I can. Well, chill you're out. like aware that it's an ad, mm. right? Where it's like as a child, especially, right? It's like you don't know what's an ad and what's not. Sometimes, you know, it's like you're just being fed content, and it's like, yeah, it, it's. It I, I honestly you. don't know why someone's not done it. You know, you're waiting in a lobby for like Call of Duty or whatever. Why are they not showing me an advert? I'm just sat there. I think it's. I think it's because it's a miserable experience and nobody wants it. Yeah. I think but, especially yeah. young people are really just hate ads because they're not used. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, like yeah. we don't like. I don't know. Like, have you seen mobile apps? Like, yeah, for sure. Riddled. Like, yeah, but I, they're I free. Really... Yeah, that's what I mean. But like, that's what I'm on about the free games, Call of Duty, yeah, yeah. Warzone, or whatever. Like, oh, it'll happen, man. I mean, I think it's a matter of time. I think it's a matter of someone figuring out what that looks like before it becomes a standard thing, and it's going to be awful. Um, yes, it is. Yeah, is what it is, right? Yeah. I mean, were you upset by some of these cancelled games? Because obviously we spoke about the Spider-Man one. We you know what, Steve? Today. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But let me remind you that this episode of the Full Screen Games Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon producers for the month of February. For the last time, they are Arnold J. Rimmer, Christopher Valenz, Earth Visitor, Gabriel Hasselmeyer, a.k.a. Sobe, Snacky Go, Steve Stompy, Susan Likes Cats and also Boobies, Ty the Dude, and Waka Hula. Thank you all so much for your support over on Patreon.com slash games. You all the realest of the real, and we greatly appreciate your support of independent media like us. Thank you for your support. We couldn't do it without you. Remember, if you want to show your support just like they did, or if you just want to get involved in the community, check out some of our sister shows. Any of the ways you can get involved, head over to flipscreen.games. That's our website where you can find links to all the places we are all over the web, all the ways you can get involved, whether you want to write into the show with your thoughts on today's episode, whether you want to write in with a topic for next week, or if you want to just say hi, keep the conversation rolling between episodes. However you choose to get involved or show your support, we thank you for tuning in to another episode. So to answer your question, Steve, no, I'm not disappointed by the cancellation of, oh, I'm disappointed by the cancellation of exactly one of these games. And it's, it's Twisted, Twisted Metal. Metal. It's yeah, Twisted yeah. Metal. Because I like Twisted Metal, right? Like that is a, a, a old school PlayStation franchise that I definitely have a lot of affection for. And I think similar to what we talked about with Helldivers, I think a budget twisted metal game that has a live service element is a really good idea if it's done by the right studio. So granted this game based on what Jason has reported is like, it was not far along. It hadn't even been properly greenlit. They were still like kind of developing the pitch and you know, it just didn't. What is so wild now is that they've got a twisted metal TV show and no game to accompany it. And so I wonder funny. how many people don't even realize that Twisted Metal was a game and they've seen that show on Paramount Plus. 
yeah, I don't know. It is it is interesting. Um, so that that was the game that was in developer in development at Fire Sprite. So that game's canceled, and they got a, they're they're getting people laid off too. So mm-hmm. you know, hopefully that means that they're gonna get pulled off and put on another project, and they can you know keep things moving over there. But I would I would be a little concerned if I was them. But uh, oh yeah, massively. I mean, they they also have a team that was behind um Horizon uh, Call Horizon Call of the Mountain. So like, it's not looking good for VR there. Obviously, London Studios unannounced new IP project that's listed on their website. Completely canned now. Don't know what's going to happen with that. Hey, it's done. It's dead. That's what's happened with that, right? That's going to be one of the you know we had the the statement from Herman, and he said sometimes great ideas don't become great games. Sometimes a project is started with the best intentions before shifts in the market or industry result in a change of plan. Yeah, man. Why is it that Herman's statement sounds more genuine than Jim's? Because Herman sounds like because Herman Hulst makes video games. That's why. And also, Jim's out the door. He's like, I don't really give a shit about any of you. I'm I mean, going. that's true. Goodbye. That's true for sure. But again, it's like, I, I think this is like the thing that I always advocate for, which is that I think when you have people in C-level positions that don't, that have never made a video game or don't play video games, it's only going to be bad, right? It's like someone well, like- I, It really read like Jim Ryan had looked at the, the P&L sheet and gone, what games make money on our platform? Oh, it's FIFA. It's Call of Duty. Why are they making money? It's these microtransactions. How can we do that? We should be doing that. Yeah, right. Because that's because again, and like, I try not to get up on a soapbox and just like bitch about capitalism when things like this happen. But here's where we are. So I hope that. I hope you're with call me Pete. Just stick with me. Yeah, whatever. I am. Um, this is the problem with. The fact that over the last 40 years, right, we developed this idea that, quote unquote, business is a skill, right? That you can go to business school and learn how to, quote unquote, do business. And that doesn't actually work because if the only goal you have as a company is to just make money and to just move money around, this is what happens, right? You have artificial increases or decreases in the market and you overreact to them and then shit like this happens right you have video game companies and like look at nintendo look at nintendo for a point of comparison right what has nintendo done over the last several years right while they were enjoying record sales of their hardware and software they amassed a huge pile of money they invested more money in development they hired more people and they've delayed their console to set it up for the most stable, healthy launch that they can. And what is the key thing that they're deciding to do as part of that? It's secure more software for the launch. That's what it is, mm-hmm. right? So to see <laughs> on the other side of that fence, right? Companies like Sony and Microsoft take these last couple of years and Microsoft can afford to do it because they have they are the most one of the most profitable companies in the world so they can go and spend 60 billion dollars to solve a problem like this fine sony does not have that kind of money and what did they do they took all those record profits and and all these great margins and they invested a ton of money in something that is just chasing a trend it's not innovating it's not creating the next big thing it's chasing the last big thing and that is what business teaches you to do right of like you said 
Let's look. Oh, why aren't we in this microtransactions business? That's where all the money is. It's like, right. And did you talk at all about how much it costs to develop a game like that? And then how much resources you need to develop to maintain a game like that and have a roadmap? Obviously, they didn't because that's exactly why the fucking Last of Us game was canceled, right? Was that it was, I also think that game just probably wasn't very fun. It was not fun, was what we were told. And also, again, part of Bungie's assessment, though, that we talked about from that report was that they didn't have plans for what it looked like to maintain and monetize it and support it after the fact. That's not going to work. And, and it's just like mm-hmm. Naughty Dog said it in their fucking blog post. You need to orient your entire studio around maintaining one game. That's the only way that you can do this. And that is a level of investment that doesn't make sense for a company of Sony's size. It just doesn't. You can't invest the amount of money you need to invest to make a game like that in several different studios and then be like, oh, let's hope it all, let's hope they work out. Right. It's like, that's ridiculous. And and I think it, it leads to shit like this, where it's like you have a studio in Gorilla that put out one of your most successful games on your new hardware, right? They're one of your Crown Jewel Studios, they just had 10% of their staff laid off. They only have successes to their name in recent memory, right? Their 10% last two was games. 40 people, which I could not believe. I thought they would have been a much larger studio. I mean, they probably have two teams of 200, right? It's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. <laughs> it just, I think it, when you talk about impressive, man, it just, it blows my fucking mind how much work Insomniac gets done. How big are they? That's 600 now? Well, probably less now, but yeah, right? I think they had ballooned up to three teams. Mm-hmm. So. And I mean, you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what that percentage is going to look like when you're talking about removing all these people from, from the Spider-Man project and whether there was, like, crossover between Spider-Man 3 and that team and every, like, who knows, right? But, like, yeah, I mean, they've got, a Spider-Man project, a Wolverine project, and then ostensibly, you know, there's that on Possibly the road. Possibly a Venom one as well. Yeah, well, and I'm thinking that's like, they had that team, there was the team that did Miles while they were working on Spider-Man 2. I imagine it's like you have the main Spider-Man team, you have that team. Maybe that's the team that's working on Wolverine, though. I don't know, you know, it's like. Has Venom come out this year, do you think? After this, the announcement that no games and existing franchises are coming out? Are they saying that that's a different franchise? Or do you think that they're just saying that that's not coming out? I, d- I don't know, honestly, what to make of, of that statement. Because I think it's it reads weird to me. Because it's like, the existing franchises thing feels pointed. It feels like you wouldn't say existing franchises if you just meant we're not releasing anything. So I'm wondering if that means a new IP potentially is revealed. I think that's possible, right? Like, I mean, you look at how far into the PS5 we are now. We're five years in, um, and we haven't had a new IP, really, except for Returnal, right? So, like, the idea that... And even then, could... that wasn't there at the beginning. It was, you know... Right, yeah, they, they bought part. that studio after the fact, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, with that in mind, it's like, you know, we know that, like, Corey... Uh, um, Barlog. I wanted to say Balrog, which is a monster from the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um, he, his team has been working on a game, right? Like, since the end of, of God of War. So the idea that, like, that game could could be done. That, 2018 was a long time ago now, right? Like, that's six years ago. Possibly. I don't think it's coming out this year, though. I think we'd have heard about it if it was. Maybe. I don't know. Because it's, it's like, I'm inclined to agree. But it's also like, 
you know, like we've talked a lot about how it's like me does shorter cycles of, of promotion. Like, is that better for a game? Like, yeah, maybe, maybe you get all the shit news like this out of the way at the beginning. And then you, you're just like, right, all that's done and dusted. Here's the good stuff. Maybe they're using some game fest for it. And yeah. Part and of that. That's my thought. Cause like you and I talked about this. Cause there's like, uh, um, after that report came out, Jeff Grubb, came out and was like, oh, I've, I've heard they're still putting out an Astrobot game. Like, I've heard that that's still coming. That's still an active development. I mean, that's also something that could have happened, right? Like, you know, um, obviously they saw a dip in their stock after this announcement and like... Massive dip. Right. So you and I talked about that and it's like, well, what would be the impetus to lie then, right? Like, wouldn't you want to say you had things you, coming you, so that you, you can? Could... Like, if you get caught lying, I think you, you're going to get in big, big trouble with investors. Re- remove, remove the word lie, right? Mm. Uh, uh, maybe that's hyperbolic. My point is, there are many times where investor meetings happen and they detail plans and then those plans are not actually what happens, right? So yeah, like, I, I do think plans change, but I also think that I don't know. I I don't think you'd have said that statement if it wasn't true because it it, it makes a dent in your stock. They they took a dive back down to where they were uh, at the beginning of December. So that's that's my question to you, though, right? Is like, so they took a dive back to where they were at the beginning of of December, right? That is coming off of a historical high, right? Like the last quarter was a high quarter for them. So maybe the strategy in, in their mind, right, is like, hey, we had a really successful quarter, right? We know that we need to reduce sales projections and that's going to make our stock take a hit. And we want to get out in front of all this bad news because we're not confident that X or Y thing is going to come out or we're not confident that this is going to happen or whatever. But a couple months from now where maybe that confidence is like they're, they feel more able to make a statement like that, to your point, they come out at a summer games fest and they have a trailer for a big game that is even if it's not coming out this year, maybe it's coming out next year, maybe, you know, whatever. Right. And they have things like that, that they can hang their hat on that they feel more confident revealing because they're more sure that it'll happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that will be what they need to bring their stock back up. Right. That it's like, Hey, like we have these things now that we're confident. Cause like, again, you look at like how much they've talked about in the last, few years that has now been canceled right and it's like i know i'm really curious as to what's going on with jade raymond's studio is gonna be another one you don't need to say stuff like that in every like yeah you have to tell investors what you're but like you don't need to be like these are this is every active project we have in development that's not how that works right i mean nintendo doesn't they keep cards very close to their chest and then they're just like we have nothing to talk about right now exactly so but people still want to invest in nintendo they're an extremely valuable company they've got all this money in the bank everyone knows where they where their kind of plans are going i just thought i don't feel like i have any clue where playstation's plans are going and i don't feel like they really have any clue where their plans are going no, and i'm inclined to agree and i think the reason that i would the, the reason that i am not confident to say i definitely don't think anything's coming i definitely don't think venom's because like i can think of ways that you position that and you say well we didn't think anything was but now it is and blah, blah. like these companies get slippery with stuff like this and it happens all the time you just brought up how many times has nintendo been like we have nothing to announce and then they announce multiple games that year right like when we were looking at investor calls for nintendo from last year we didn't it wasn't like oh yeah super mario uh wonders coming out we're putting out a 2d mario that's not how that works, right? Like you need you need to uh, keep 
things like that close to your chest for marketing beats. If you say it in an investor call, it's public information. IGN's report on it. You missed your moment. And I think like that is where that gets interesting to me is like, I think I'm inclined to agree with you that like, I probably wouldn't say that in those terms if I did have something planned, but also. I don't know when it comes along with massive layoffs, comments from the the kind of interim CEO talking about how they need to maximize um, margins and, and potentially explore onto other platforms. It just, it's not a good look. And no. clearly VR2 was a failure. And uh, I mean, what's the, if you bought one of those, you've got to be feeling really upset about your purchase at this point. Like, this is such it's a clear like, that there's no other games are coming for it. Such a PSP to PS Vita situation, like so clearly, right? Where it's like, first one's a success. Let's run it back and make a better one. Oh no, we made some mistakes in the marketing or in the development and it costs too much or it has this problem or it has that problem. And DOA, we're going to give up. Because it's like, they didn't. They haven't cut the price. They haven't tried to make partnerships. What, like they barely talk about the fucking because thing. there's nothing to play on it, Pete. Like there's like nothing. I know, I know, and that's the thing is like it's it's they sent it out to die. I think they knew that it was going to fail, and that's is what it is, right? Sucks for the people that bought one, but it is it is what it is, right? And it's like you know, I, I get them wanting to move away from that because I think that market is dying. I I I'm very confident. I said this to you privately earlier. I'm of the opinion that the best case scenario for VR right now is that Meta and Apple stay in the VR business. I think it's far more likely that we see a repeat of what happened in the 90s when we had our first push for consumer VR and it comes up and a bunch of people get in the game and VR cafes start spinning up and they're everywhere and it's a thing. And I actually think the VR cafes and like large scale VR probably will stick around and it'll become more niche like that, that you go to like a, yeah. a place and it's an event, you know, you use a headset like you do at the Mario world, you know, I, I think that is a far more uh, likely path forward is that you see companies like Disney and, and universal and, and those kinds of places investing in those kinds of experiences. But I think what the problem with the VR cafes and stuff like that, cause like they have them, they're, they're all over the place again. Um, but that was a thing in the nineties and guess what? What happens when they stop making software? Because it's too expensive to make and nobody buys it. Like, that's where we're at, right? Like, Sony just closed their dedicated London, their dedicated VR studio. Excuse me. How many, how many studios exist that still make dedicated VR games? Because I think it's probably almost none at this point. Nah, it's it's, 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 it's a handful that are owned by owned a company. By that, right. <laughs> yeah. And every other there's, one there's is like, few. gone. There are, or they've, or they've pivoted away. Yeah. Because even think about like um, you know, and like obviously it's a whole controversy with uh Justin Roiland and all that and you know, whatever, mm -hmm. but like high on life, right? Was was uh that studio's second game. They had made nothing but VR titles before that, and they specifically said the reason that they made that not a VR title was because the games didn't sell and they wanted to reach a bigger audience. And it's just like fair enough. I mean, I I I think that I could see valve come out with something that is a, a product that people are interested in with the success of the steam deck but you know that's a conversation maybe for another day that we we kind of debate yeah. out vr yeah i mean that's the thing right is like i think i think you're right that like a company like that coming in could be a shot in the arm but i think then they they have to invest in software they have to be willing to make a half-life alex like every couple of years to justify you buying it otherwise it's like what's the one? point why did you not go to Valve and say we have Half-Life Alex? 
<laughs> Maybe we'll they give did. You, we'll give you the PSVR 2 for PC, and we'll bring our games to PC and Steam, but we want Half-Life Alex. I, just, I don't, I mean, and you and I disagree about this, but sometimes anyway. I, I don't think Valve would want it. Why would Valve want to give away their best exclusive? That is that is the selling point of their VR headset over other people's VR headset is they have one of the I mean, only... you can use any VR headset with Steam. Yeah. So you can you can use the Quest, you can use the sure. HTC Vive or whatever. So, but is there big one on Steam, and it's the reason why you come to Steam? And it's their killer VR. app. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, no, really, like pretty much no other VR headset has a killer app like that, where it's like, oh, this is one of the best games in VR, and we're the only place you can get it like that doesn't really yeah. it's not really a thing you know and it's like i guess beat saber or whatever right stuff like that but it's like that's come everywhere now you know and it's like yeah that's even on psvr too yeah right so it's like you know like how many like if i'm here and i'm like i want to get into the vr market right like it's like the quest is obviously the best option for budget so why would you pick valves if not for the fact that it has exclusive games or that it's better technology or whatever right and it's like that is their selling point but i think i don't think the quest see... but i think the quest is only the better option at the moment i think yeah as and, because and, and, of the and pride. It's yeah but i think that i think that's really important because it's like you know we're in a recession right like it's like there's less money to go around we we're just talking about how video games cost too much money mm. do you really want to buy a 500 plus 300 plus no. accessory so that you well, can three play... and a half grand for the apple yeah. one no that doesn't even have games on it yet um and and then again right so that you can play these games that are like i think no offense inferior they are they're not they're not as good as real video games so it's like why would you spend all this money on something that's just it's just the experience is just not there and it's like what are you paying for and i think that mm -hmm. made sense in 2016 or 20 you know 15 or whatever when all these headsets were coming out and people had more money to throw around and there was excitement about the technology and it was this new avenue of games and it's like i mean we're how many years into VR? You know, this round of VR of consumer tech, all the big players have either fallen away or they've iterated on their device two or three times at this point, and there just isn't a market there. You know, not not the way that they thought there would be. And I wouldn't be surprised if you know that's why Sony's getting out of the business, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think they they got in, they probably started working on that when it was the year the Quest Two was the best selling item that Christmas, right? And, and the then, PSVR was a huge success. So, yeah. like, of course they wanted to make another one. But then you get to the point where everyone's like, oh, but the Quest Pro sucks. No one really cares anymore. Like, we're kind of, we're done with it. But at that point, you've already got the product. You're kind of like, we better, we better sell this thing. And I, and again, I think, I think part of that is also that I think VR experiences are trending away from video games. Because mm -hmm. they cost too much. And let, like... And, and again, frankly, they're not the best experience. Like, like I, I think there are a lot more interesting applications of VR that don't have anything to do with video games. And like you're seeing that with Apple, right? Like they're trying to double down on it as like a work device. It's a general a computing device. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. And, and I'm not saying that like that can't happen and that that might. But like what does that mean for PlayStation? Nothing good. They don't want that. That's not the market they got into. They got into it to put games out on it. And it's clearly just like the investment is not worth the return. And I think when you've got, you're over-investing in VR, you're over-investing in games as a service, you're over-investing in the games you make that actually sell, 
yeah, no shit, there's a fucking cash flow problem. They're throwing this money around in all these different directions and not seemingly not having a plan for what, for when it actually comes back, you know? And like, and I get with VR2, there being like a sunk cost of like, well, we developed it, so we'll put it out and it's going to flop and we're going to make whatever we're going to make back on it. And if we're surprised and it does well, we'll support it. But like, I just don't think that Yeah, it's not great. I mean, the, the the funny thing with with Sony is you've got to zoom out a little bit, right? Like, there's two sides of the business. There's the, there's the PlayStation side, but then there's also the Sony side that is the consumer electronics TVs company that and... makes these products. And they are the ones that are making the boxes and making the headsets. So some of this R&D and stuff that went into the PSVR 2, I'm sure they can use it for something else. Like, I can imagine, like... They could probably or... sell the technology to quest or somebody else right like that's, yeah that happens all the time sell the little screens that are inside of there or yeah. whatever it is the haptics feedback on there right because you know sony are the ones that are making like the camera sensors in everyone's phones like i can imagine mm-hmm. we'll see that technology elsewhere and they'll probably recuperate their costs somewhere else that's not yeah. an end user product i think you're probably right you know um I, but yeah it's like you, i don't know you come back to this space of like they need to be innovating. They need to not just be copying, right? Like one of the stories that we were going to talk about this week that we're just, we're not going to get to is that like there was a, a a statement from them saying that the PlayStation portal ended up being more popular than they expected. And I think that's a great example of what I'm talking about, right? Like I was the only person on this channel, on these shows in the comments that was like, this product could be for somebody, right? And like, that's all it needs to be. It needs to be for somebody if it comes out at the right price in terms of, and not the right price for like mass market, the right price for the people that want this can afford it. And the margin of profitability is there, which clearly it is right. Like it was very successful, more successful than, it, than they expected. It's been sold out for months. They're trying to keep up with it. That was an innovation. And it was an innovation that when it came out, it got the same reaction that a lot of innovative products do, which is who is this for? Why would anybody buy this? Blah, blah, blah. But it's like, that's that's the job of an R&D company, of a company that makes products, is to see a need and, and, f- and fill that need, right? Nobody knew that they needed a Walkman until Sony invented it. And that's what made them, right? Like, if you're not innovating, what are you doing? Like, you're just chasing other people's ideas, and you're just going to get diminishing returns. And it's like, again, we look at Nintendo. Who's the most stable comfortable of the big three right now it's the most innovative of them right now because the Mm -hmm. switch was a unique interesting dynamic idea that spoke to its market and they make good high quality dynamic software and sony makes great hardware and makes great software but like clearly there's an imbalance in how much they're spending versus how much they're charging or how much people are willing to spend they look at the wrong things that every single generation, there always is something that Mark Cerny's out there talking about that I always am just like, who gives a shit? This time it was the Tempest 3D audio engine. Do you remember that? I swear to God, I have not heard about that since 2020. Not one single person has spoken about that since. And like, it was meant to be the selling point for the headphones and like all, the, all these developers are going to hack into it. There are so many features of the PS5 that I just do not think ever get utilized. Those 
those weird little card things that are the activities that are meant to be able to jump to specific like, places in games. We and knew like, that was not going to be anything. Yeah. And it's like, why did you spend money on it then? You know, and it's like, I don't know. I think sometimes it's easy to like look at these things in hindsight and be like, this was a bad idea. This was a bad idea. But it's no, like but every single generation, they've got to rebuild the entire operating system. Why? Just do what Xbox did and go, oh, it worked. Let's just maybe put a lick of paint on it and carry on. Imagine if literally every single time a new, like Apple put a new phone out, they're just like, oh, we've redone the operating system again. You just be like, why? Why did you start from scratch? Like you had a base operating system. We didn't even get fucking folders at launch on the PlayStation. They came like last year. And it's just like, come on, man. Like, why? Why is that so difficult for you? Yeah, I, th I think it's just like, and to put a pin on this, I think there's fundamentally just a little bit of that kind of like big business brain going on. of Like, we need to be expanding. We need to expand into new markets and expand. And it's just like, if your only goal is growth ever, then any amount of not growth is failure. Mm -hmm. And when you have an artificial increase of growth, like that, this was inevitable. They, this was so predictable. And what did they do? Nothing. They did not plan for the future. They barreled ahead and invested a bunch of money in shit that didn't make sense. It didn't make sense when they spent the money on it. It doesn't make sense that they, that they wasted that money now. Think about if they hadn't spent that $3 billion on Bungie, they hadn't invested that money in games as a service development, we would be talking about how Sony was sitting on a pile of $5 billion. Oh, or, or we'd had some more single-player games that we'd be enjoying right now, and I would have a reason to turn my PlayStation 5 on this year because for the second year running, there's nothing I want to play. I don't care about Final Fantasy, so there is nothing for me to play on PlayStation 5 this year. And I didn't care about Spider-Man last year, which, fair enough, a lot of people did. I had nothing to play last year. And I don't know what I'm going to have to play next year. So for two years running, nothing. Like, Potentially three. Yeah. Ridiculous. Which, and again, it's like, I guess that's fine if you're talking about, like, somebody who only owns a PlayStation, which is a significant percentage of their market. But, like, I don't. I own three consoles, and I'm not buying shit on my PlayStation right now. Right? Like, I bought, like, two games last year, and I'll probably buy one game this year. That's not good. Yeah, and and you're not subscribed to PS Plus, I presume. No, why would I? For what? Yeah, yeah, it's a big problem for that. I mean, and why subscribe to PS Plus and like play Helldivers there if you've got a PC and I don't have to pay for the monthly subscription? It's, it's just such such a weird thing for me. Yeah, I mean, we'll see, right? Like, it's I, unfortunately, I think that's been the takeaway from a lot of these episodes recently where we're talking about the future of these companies and it's just like yeah. I, I think the, the industry is heading for a really volatile couple of years because you're seeing these companies that enjoyed record profits now panic because they can't keep up with that and they're going to lay people off and we're going to see a talent drain in the industry and you're going to see a lot of really talented people move away from games and go work in app development and all this other shit and it's going to really suck and we're going to see uh, I think we're going to see more risk aversion. We're going to see less creativity. We're going to see less indie games getting greenlit. We're going to see more safe licensed games. You know, and it's like, that's, it's not good for any of us, you know? And it's like that mentality of like, you know, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to speak with my wallet. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it's like, I mean, shit, man. Like, we did that with microtransactions. And now it's like, I, I think it's going to, it's going to lead to a fucking huge down spiral after a period of really consistent growth 
for years, right? Like from 2015, 2016 till now, there's been a really mm-hmm. steady, like, this is one of the best years in gaming. This is one of the best years in gaming. Record profits, record, you know, critical acclaim, this, that, this. And, and now it's all about the bottom's going to fucking fall out because we're laying all these people off. And what's going to happen in six years when there's no games to put out because you laid all these people off. These games take longer and cost more than they did. And, you're, mean, and, you're, and, and you're getting rid of talent. Look like. The PS6 is like, what, five years away? Four years away? Potentially? Probably five. Yeah, I think they were targeting 2028. You know, that's four years away. Maybe four yeah, and a half. Yeah, maybe you're right. And it's like last half. But, I mean, the rumor is there's a PS5 Pro coming this year. But what have I got? why would I buy it? For what end? Right? Like, for what? What, what am I buying it, on it To play what? My games run great anyway. I don't need it. We needed it for the PS4. We don't need it for the PS5. Hardware is not the problem. Yeah, but they're a hardware company. And I think that is part of the problem. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It's a tough one. Software is what moves hardware, though, right? Yeah. It's not enough to just make a good box or make a good headset. Well, we know PSVR 2 is a great headset. So what? It's the same yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah, PS5 games look great. There's not enough of them. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you see a return to form from like the PlayStation days and they like drop the licensing fee to like nothing and like they try to just like aggressively. Maybe like maybe you follow Epic Games, right? And you, you say better margins. You you like, yeah, 10% instead of 30, like Steam is. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what they do because I don't think there's enough third party exclusives that they can kind of funnel into the playstation to kind of keep it going at this point would have been really cool if they had like five billion dollars to spend on a company that made games that actually spoke to their audience who's yeah i mean like i mean look at all the actors and stuff ain't getting any of that exclusive anymore that's over the fence bethesda not getting any of that there's like really you've got ea and they never seem to want to make exclusives maybe you could speak to Maybe you could go speak to Embracer and see if you can give them some money to like, do something. Like, I don't know, know, dude. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's uh, it's it's a weird situation for sure. Um, and I mean, you know, I, we'll, we'll see what happens from here. You know, I think at this point, it's like we're gonna see probably a lot more of this shit for the next couple mm. of years. And you know, where I hope we see it: clean house on the C-suite at PlayStation. Get a new CEO in there. Mm-hmm. And just be like, right, we're clearing out all of the mess, all of Herman's kind of legacy. Make Herman the CEO. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Herman's responsible for managing PlayStation Studios, and and this has happened. So I don't know yeah. that I have a lot of faith there. Where do you, like? Is that from on? Is that from top down though? Right? Is Possibly. that was that Jim Ryan's vision, and he's executing? I don't know. Right? It's tough to say, but I I would love to see somebody take that position that has a background in making games or caring about games, at least in the way that like somebody like Phil Spencer seems to right? like just Neil Druckmann, new CEO. No, 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 no. He's too busy. <laughs> that guy's way too fucking busy. Don't do that. He's, he's working on, he's working on a lot right now. He's, he's got his hands full, keeping naughty dog afloat. <laughs> Let's make sure that that, that happens first. Huh? So we'll leave it there for today. Thank you guys for joining us on another episode of the Flip Screen Games Podcast. Remember, if you want to write in with your thoughts about everything going on with Sony, if you want to write in with a topic for next week, if you 
want to check out any of our sister shows, show your support, become a Patreon producer, get the show early, all kinds of good perks and goodies, all that good stuff, head over to flipscreen.games. That's our website where you will find links to all the places we are all over the web. However you choose to get involved or show your support, we thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Flip Screen Games podcast. For the crew, I've been Pete. He's been Steve. We'll see you next week.